Amen. Oh, do we have a church or a cemetery? Amen. 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 I, well, let me just warn you, I'm a black preacher. I like responses. If you feel the spirit is leading you, you can stand up anytime. And, but just don't throw anything at me, okay? That would be all right. But um, we, we've been here for the, youth, uh, for the youth conference this weekend. And we have a video to show you. I, I just want you to see uh, what God is doing among your young people. And you should be very proud, okay, if you have the video. Some of you know, you know who Beyonce is, you know who Rihanna is. You know who Coldplay is, you know all the stuff, you know their blogs, you know everything that they tweet. But you don't know Jesus because you don't know that your identity is found in Christ. And until you recognize that and find Jesus, you will never find yourself. The devil is going to try and do everything for a generation not to know who they are. All my life, I was looking for who I am. I didn't recognize that who I am was only found in Christ. Amen. Amen. How many of you are excited about what God is doing among your young people? How many of us are excited? Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you could quickly turn to Mark 5, verse 21 to 34. Mark 5, verse 21 to 34. Mark chapter 5, verse 21 to 34. And for the reading of God's word, because it's my personal tradition, if you could stand up as we read the word of God together. Mark 5, 21 to 34, when Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him, and so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up, and on seeing him, fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so that she will get well and alive. And he went off with him and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. A woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garment, I will get well. Immediately, the flow of blood was dried up. And she felt in her body that she had healed 
she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus, perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this. But the woman, fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. For the next few minutes, I want to speak to you on the touch of faith. The touch of faith. Can we go to the Lord in prayer? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that you will come and do what only you can do in our midst. Touch us in our place of need. Father, cause faith to go forth and cause your people, O Lord, to be revived one more time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. A lot of times what we don't realize when it comes to faith, the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You cannot hear God and doubt him. It is impossible to hear God and doubt him. If you cannot access the voice of God, it is likely that you cannot walk in faith. Faith is direct access to God's voice. Many of us cannot access, it's not because God does not speak. God is always speaking. The problem is that we're not hearing. And we have an issue with our hearing. Now, I don't know about you, but what is a silent TV to a blind man? If you are blind and I turn on the TV, and I turn off the volume of that TV, you wouldn't know there is a TV anyway. And the fact that you think there is no TV does not mean the TV doesn't exist. It's because you're blind. And we have a lot of people who are spiritually blind. Many people are sitting in our churches and they're mistaken hope for faith. Now, you need hope in order to have faith, but sometimes hope can become an enemy of faith. Okay. If hope is all you have, sometimes it can become an enemy of faith. So Jesus shows up in Lazarus' house, and Lazarus is dead. And he said, you know what, Lazarus will rise again. And then Lazarus' sisters say, oh, well, he will rise again in, in, in the last days. Because they had hope he will rise again, but they didn't have hope that, they didn't have faith that he will rise now. Because hope looks to the future, faith takes it now. Faith is in that now business. Now faith, not tomorrow faith. So you don't hope for your healing, you have faith for your healing. You don't hope to be healed. I'm not, I'm, you don't say, I'm going to be blessed. You're already blessed. 
the Bible says he has given us all spiritual blessings. So you don't sit down and say, well, I hope I will be blessed. It's not the way it works. Hope is important, but hope is not all you need. You need faith. Faith will bring it to the now. Now the Bible talks about Jairus. Now, if you read the scripture and you find someone's name mentioned in the scripture, it means he was prominent. Now, the Bible says Jairus came to Jesus because his daughter was sick. Now, that's a problem because most of us never come to Jesus until we have problems. Most of us never move to Jesus until we have issues. Most of us always stay in our comfort zone. And sometimes I believe that what God is bringing to the church these days is a little trouble so that the church will move from its comfort zone and move into the throne room because the church is too comfortable. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion. And God is calling a church that will move towards him. But many of us, we never move towards Jesus until we're in trouble. We never move towards Jesus until we have financial trouble. We never move towards Jesus until we are sick in our body. We never move towards Jesus until our child is misbehaving, until something terrible is happening. And Jairus goes to Jesus and the Bible says he begs of him. My daughter is dying. I need help. And Jesus moves and he's on his way to Jairus' house. The amazing thing about this text is that Jairus' name is mentioned, but the woman with the issue of blood's name is never mentioned. In other words, she was insignificant. So you have a prominent person like Jairus' name mentioned, but an insignificant woman is mentioned in the scripture because only Jesus can reach the significant and the insignificant at the same time. It doesn't matter how high you are or how low you are, Jesus knows how to reach the poor and the rich, the tall, the tall and the short. He knows how to reach people from all corners of life. And Jesus goes and he's walking. And he meets a woman of, with the issue of blood. Now she has issues. Tell somebody she has issues. Well, some of you are afraid to say because maybe you have issues. Now nah, I'm, I'm just joking, okay? All right. Now she has issues. Her first issue is that she is bleeding. Now the Bible says we all know there's, the life is in the blood. Now, now three weeks ago, I was preaching in Nigeria three weeks ago, and a person, a guy came, giving his testimony. He was in the shower. Now, it's made me very freaky when I stand in the shower. And the shower has, it, it's bounded by glass all over. Now, he was doing some squats in the shower. So he just goes down the first squat, second squat, third squat, fourth squat. By the time he gets to the fifth squat, he slips. And this is a big guy. He's around 6'5". And he weighs maybe about 280 pounds. His whole body hits the glass. The glass breaks. He falls on the glass, the glass pierces his side, 
it almost cuts off his left hand and it almost cuts off his leg. Now, he lives alone in his house. And he has three security doors. And so he's lying down bleeding and he would bleed to death. But he calls 911. Actually, it's not, theirs is not 911. It's 122 or something like that. <laughs> so he calls it. And the problem is that it would take hours to break those security doors. Now, this is how good God is. Before he went to take a shower, two minutes before he went to take a shower, he said, I heard a voice tell me, go down to your car and pick up your, uh, 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 a book so that you can read whilst you go to the bathroom. So he went and he picked up a book that he didn't even read. He always locks his doors. For one reason or another, he never locked any of those security doors. That's the only thing that saved his life. Isn't God good? God will always make sure that in every time he makes a door open so that you can escape. And, the, and, and, we, and when the ambulances came, they were able to come in and they just caught him at the nick of time because he would have lost blood and died. And we know that if you lose blood, you start dying. Because the woman with the issue of blood is losing blood. She is dying. She is losing life. And sometimes there are issues in life that can make us lose the very life out of us. Sometimes there are things, sometimes you can have a relationship that that causes you to causes life to ooze out of you every day. Sometimes you can have a job that that just takes everything out of you and you're losing. She is constantly bleeding. She is dying. And the Bible says that while she hears about Jesus, now she has so many problems we, 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 we can't even deal with. The problem she has is not just that she is bleeding. The problem is because her bleeding will not stop. Because every woman bleeds. She wouldn't be a woman if she was not bleeding. Her problem is that the bleeding will not stop. And sometimes the biggest problem we have, it's not because we have a problem. The problem is that you have had financial problems for 20 years. You've been sick for 20 years. You've had the same problem for 20 years. You've had the same problem for 25 years. The problem just wouldn't stop. The difference between her and the modern woman today is that we have sanitary pads, she doesn't. So she can't stop the bleeding or pretend like she's not bleeding. In other words, wherever she goes, there's a trail of blood because she has nothing to hold the bleeding. She cannot pretend like she's not bleeding because the bleeding is everywhere. The stain is everywhere. You don't want her on your carpet. 
You see how nice this carpet is? How nice this hall is? You don't want her here because she's going to mess it up. She's a mess. Nobody wants to deal with her. She's a mess. And sometimes there are people there a mess. You don't want to touch her. The church doesn't want to touch her. Nobody wants to touch you. Your family don't want to touch you. Your brother don't want to touch you. Nobody wants to deal with you. She's a mess. She's bleeding everywhere. The only difference between her generation and this generation is that she doesn't know how to hide it. Our generation, we are good at hiding. We invented makeup. You should wear makeup if you need it, no problem. Some of us need it much more than others. She invented, we, we, we know how to pretend, we know how to put things up, we know how to hide what we're going through. We know we come to church and everybody looks so nice. I know I look, I look nice, I looked in the mirror before I came, thank you. But she's a mess. Nobody wants to deal with her. Hey, she was a mess. She is considered unclean according to the law. So that means nobody wants to touch her. She's so unclean she can't go to the synagogue. Imagine having a problem and on top of the problem you can't go to church. No pastor can even touch you or pray for you. She's got an issue. Because she's sick and she's bleeding, it means that she's anemic. She's weak. She's anemic. And if you're anemic, at least you need to eat properly. And you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that she spent all her money on physicians that now she was broke. So she's weak, she's anemic, she needs to eat properly. She ain't even got money to eat properly. Problem on top of problems. Issue on top of issues. She's got an issue. The thing about bleeding and having that kind of issue meant that she couldn't get pregnant too. It meant that she was unfruitful. She couldn't get pregnant. She was unproductive. She was unfruitful. Problem on top of problem. Weak, unfruitful. She had issues. She had an issue. And the Bible says, Jesus was passing by. I said, Jesus was passing by. Jesus was passing by. Now, you have to understand, Jesus was not going to her. Jesus was going away from her. So it means that if Jesus was passing by, Jesus was not walking towards her. Jesus was walking away from her. And sometimes, I don't know about you, her only chance of getting healed is Jesus. How many of you know that? Her only chance of ever getting healed is Jesus. Her only, that's her last hope. That's her last chance. Can I come down? I feel like I need to come down. 
That's her last chance. That's her only hope. She don't have any other hope of getting healed. She doesn't have money to go to physicians anymore. She doesn't have any chance of getting healed. Her only hope of getting healed is Jesus. And Jesus is not even walking towards her. Jesus is walking away from her. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I look at my promise. I look at the promise of God upon my life. I look at what God intends to do in my life. And it looks like the promise is walking away from me and it's not walking towards me. There are times that there are things that God has said that he's going to do in my life. And just like Jesus is walking away from her, it doesn't look like the promise is coming to me. It looks like the promise is walking away from me. The Bible says that she is so weak, I believe she can't even walk. And she is down on her knees in weakness. But she stretches out her hand to touch him because she doesn't want the promise to walk away from her. She stretches out to touch him. And sometimes, you see, the problem we have in church, we think that everything's got to be rolled towards us. We think, listen, salvation is free, but the principles of the kingdom is different. You will receive salvation, but if you refuse to walk in the principles of the kingdom, there are things you will never get. The promise is walking away from her, but she's ready to touch her. Now watch this. Jesus is walking, and the crowd is following her. They're all touching him. Everybody is touching Jesus. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns and says, who touched me? Now, I was telling the young people, sometimes Jesus asks questions, you might think he's stupid. Uh-oh. Jesus asks a question, who touched me? Jesus asks a question, who do men say that I am? Jesus asks a question, Jesus see the blind man say, do you want to see? Ah, Jesus, do I want to see? What do you think? Jesus see a lame man. Do you want to walk? What do you think? Jesus say, who touched me? Everybody's touching you. Watch this. Everybody is touching Jesus, but none of them is getting healed. Everybody is touching Jesus, but none of them is getting a miracle. And we have a church that everybody is coming to church, but nobody is getting an impartation. We have a church that everybody is coming, but ain't nothing happening in a church. Because there is a touch and there is a touch. Not every worship is worship. Some worship is singing. Then not every giving is given. Some giving is donations. Some is offerings. We have a church that people come and you you think that just coming and giving, don't give putting money in as an offering. I was telling them, I I never come to church before I prepare my offering. I prepare my offering before I come to church. Because if you come to church and you take out the money, it's not an offering. You didn't prepare it. I knew what offering I was going to give before I came here. 
I prepared it. It's not about the mount, it's what's in your heart. And we have many people, they come to church, they sing, 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 no worship. Hallelujah. What time is it? Hallelujah. When the pastor going to close. Hallelujah. Man, why is she wearing that dress? Hallelujah. How you call that worship? That's not worship. There is a touch and there is a touch. Everything you do in the house of God that is not attached with faith, it is useless. It is useless. I tell my people, one person came here, brought a tithe to me. He said, I'm coming to pay my tithe. You don't pay your tithe. You redeem your tithe. It's not yours. You don't pay your tithe. You redeem it. I'm coming to pay. I said, if you have no faith in your titan system, keep your money. Because it's useless. The words we speak are spirit and life. When we speak these words, we speak it out of faith. We believe in it. We stretch to it. Because without faith, the Bible says the just shall live by faith. They are touching Jesus, but nothing is happening because they are not touching in faith. What makes a difference is faith. This woman comes. In fact, most of them are really touching Jesus. She doesn't even really touch Jesus' body. She touches his clothes at the hem of the garment. But she gets healed. It's amazing to me that the closest people to us as pastors are the people that never get healed. It's amazing to me, the people that are closest to us, the people that are, are, are the leaders sometimes, and the people that are closest to us, they're the ones that don't even have faith. Because we get so familiar with God that we can't even receive from God. I know what I'm talking about. My dad is a pastor. I'm second generation preacher. One day God spoke to me. I was, one day God spoke to me. I was in the church. I was praying and one day I had my hands up. And God said, you are a bastard in the spirit. And I said, what does that mean? He said, you see your father as your biological father, but you don't see him as your spiritual father. And so you have a father naturally, but spiritually you're a bastard. I said, uh-oh, well... The God that you serve is so nice to you. My God, uh, sometimes he says something really hurtful to me. <laughs> Some of you, God has to pamper. Ooh, ooh, please. Because he knows, oh, don't leave the church. Oh, please. That's a foster child. How many of you know that if you have a foster child, you're always pampering? But when a child is your real child... You discipline. But a foster child, you're not too sure how they will feel. And some of us are not real children of God. We are foster child. Uh-oh. Oh, they don't like me. They ain't, oh, 
they hate me now. Uh, Pastor, I'm, am I okay? I'm, am I okay? I'm, if you say I'm okay, I'm okay. Okay, thank you. All right, Pastor said I'm okay. All right. Sometimes we don't understand that. Touches her, him. He said, who touched me? Who touched me? Because this woman has touched, not from a place of doubt, it's from a place of faith. Not from a place of the ordinary. It's from the place of the extraordinary. Faith moves mountains. Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? We live in a world where we have systems that does not allow us to have faith. One of the places I've been to that they have the most faith are villages and places where there is nothing. Where they are poor. Because you know what the Bible says? He's chosen the poor things of this world, rich in faith. But the problem we have, some of the people that I see, I've been to villages and done crusades, and you will see people that have, have big problems, have faith, and all of a sudden the disease moves away. Tumors are removed. Why? Because they have nothing to hope for. But you believe in your doctor more than Jesus. You see, facts rule the natural. Faith rules the supernatural. If you're going to walk by faith, you got to walk more than five senses. You got to walk in the sixth sense. God is calling us to faith. This year. In when I went home in December, my mother was diagnosed of stage four cancer. She was going to die. She was going to die. In fact, when she finally, my mother is a woman of faith. She doesn't even, she doesn't go to the hospital. And she's never had problems she always walks in healing. She gets a cough. She said, you know what? There is no medicine much more better than by his stripes I'm healed. Great woman of faith. Everything I know and I learned, I learned from my mother. Great woman of faith. She believes. Then she had cancer. Stage four. Doctor said she was going to die. So they couldn't, they couldn't do anything about it in Ghana, so they rushed her to the UK. They took her to the UK. The doctor met her. When the doctor, one meeting with the doctor is 500 pounds, one meeting. They were meeting the doctor maybe twice or three times in a week. So the doctor met her, said to my dad, you should take her back to Ghana. I don't want you to waste your money because she's not going to make it. But she needs to get, go through chemo. They can do that in Ghana, let her do some chemo, and, and then die there. My dad said, no, do the first chemo. When they were doing the first chemo, 
we had a 72-hour prayer chain praying for her. And whilst we were praying for her for 72 hours, every three hours there was someone praying. Every three hours there was someone praying. And after 72 hours, after the chemo, two weeks later when they did the test of the outcome of the chemo, the, 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 she had ovarian cancer and it has shrank 60%. Cut a long story short, they did the second one. Then they did the third one. By the third one, it has shrank so much they could operate. So they decided to do all five. And they did five. And finally, they decided, they said, it's time to operate. She was, under, she, she, she was operated on for nine hours. Nine hours. The operation alone cost 46,000 pounds. When they were operating on her, when they did the checkup, the cancer had spread everywhere, but it didn't touch any vital organ. It didn't touch her kidney. It didn't touch her liver. It, didn't, it seems that someone was ordering the cancer where to go and where not to go. Because it went everywhere. But it didn't touch any of those parts. And they did the operation nine hours. Three, four days before I came here, the doctor declared my mother cancer-free. Because the word of God is true. He will never leave us nor forsake us. The word of God is true. The amazing thing is, I don't, every single, we spent close to 100,000 pounds on her, on, her, on her medical bills. We didn't spend one, one, one penny either from the church or from, from our accounts. None. God provided everything. That's what faith can do. That's what faith can do. You know what my mother used, used to do? My mother taught us this. In our church, when we pay our tithes, we take we, uh, receipts. My mother packs all her receipts. She has receipts dating 30 years since she's been tithing. She got a box she puts it in. She picks up the box. When she was six, she picks up the box, stretches up to God. She said, I've been faithful. You asked me to tie it, and I tie it. You said you rebuke the devourer for our sake. Rebuke it. She said, some prayers, you, some things you don't need to pray a long time. You just need to obey God. I've never seen a woman with faith like her. Let me tell you one, last, one story before I close about her. I've never seen a woman of faith. She went to Los Angeles to speak. She's coming back from Los Angeles, gets to LAX. She has a Bible since 1981. Now, that Bible is a mess. It's torn because she uses it. Yo, some, some of us, our Bibles are nice because we don't use it. <laughs> It's torn. I mean, it's all scribbled in verses. Uh, this, God told me this, 31st October, blah, blah, blah. It's all there. 
She left the Bible at LAX. You should see the Bible, torn, tattered. So she comes to Ghana, and she says, I left my Bible at LAX. I can't do my devotion like I used to. It doesn't feel the same. That's my Bible. That's, that's the Bible that God talks me through. We got her so many Bibles. I don't want it. I want my Bible. Now, at that time, I wasn't as spiritual as now. So don't judge me. <laughs> so she said to me, she said, in the name of Jesus, wherever that Bible is, I command you to stay there and return back to me. Lord, send your angels to go get my Bible for me. In the name of Jesus. Now, I'm sitting by her, I say, that Bible? <laughs> Who's going to bring that torn, tattered Bible to you? She said, you don't know the God I serve, huh? <laughs> so six months later, we're right there. Her friend who she stayed with in LAX calls her. Your Bible is here. They've returned your Bible to me. Said, how? Somebody saw the Bible and saw the address in it. She put an address in it and sent the Bible all the way to the the, her friend who she stayed with. And she sent the Bible back to Ghana. <laughs> Look, this might sound funny. My mother is constipating and she says, Lord, I'm constipating. I know there's no constipation in heaven. Help me. I'm going to the bathroom. I, I'm believing you that it's all going to come out. And it comes out. She believed God for everything. For everything. Everything. That's the kind of God. That's walking in faith. The Bible says, the just shall live by faith. And this morning, God is calling us to faith. We need to rise up to faith and touch him in a unique way. Why don't you just stand to your feet? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know where you are or what you do, but there are some things that's only faith that can do. You might work hard, you might do your work. You might work hard. Do the best that you can. But if you don't release your faith. If you don't release your faith. You will never experience God in the way that he wants you to experience him. Wherever you are, I just want you to talk to God right now. And begin to speak to him. The just shall live by faith. Just shall live by faith. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. There's nothing that He can do. There's no mountain that He cannot move. If your faith says yes, if your faith 
can say yes, perhaps this will be a turning point for you. He's a God that can do the impossible. He's a God that can do the impossible. Why don't you talk to him? Talk to him. Talk to him. Let your faith go forth this morning. Let your faith go forth this morning. Let your faith go forth this morning. Let your faith reach out to him this morning. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Let your faith. There are some of us that are believing God for certain things. Let your faith go forth. There are some of us that are believing God for healing. There's some of us that believe in God for, for a little more, for promotion. You believe in God for promotion at your workplace. Let your faith go forth. Some of you are believing God to start your own business. Let the faith go forth. Some of you are believing God for the salvation of your loved ones. Let your faith go forth. Let your faith go forth. 